Why, hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Ergonomics podcast. My name is Darcy Jeremy. On this episode, you're going to learn about how one entrepreneur is leveraging her background in ergonomics and occupational therapy to provide unique solutions to her community. Let's dive into this episode right now. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. I have a question for you to really set the tone for today's episode. As a healthcare professional, have you ever thought to yourself that what you're doing is good, but there is so much untapped potential and opportunity to leverage your background and expertise? Maybe you are looking at the injury rates and you're saying to yourself, even in today's day and age of information absolutely everywhere, Why is there still high injury rates? Maybe you're looking for another opportunity and another way to add income to your business. On this point, I want to encourage you to head over to Google or whatever search engine you use and actually research how many people in your area today are doing ergonomics services. What you find there will probably surprise you. And maybe you're looking to pivot your background into another in-demand employer service because let's face it, clinic work is wearing you out and it's burning you out. Well, if any of these resonate with you, you're going to get a lot of today's episode. I'm interviewing Danny Arroyo of WorkSafe Consulting. She's leveraged her background in occupational therapy to provide unique services that address some of the biggest concerns that employers see today. And this is to keep employees productive at work. When I first met Danny, who's a member of the Accelerate Business of Ergonomics program, I was immediately impressed with her drive combined with the unique services that she handcrafted and tailored to fit workplace needs and challenges based on her unique experience in occupational therapy and ergonomics. What I hope you get out of today's episode is that there's really much more to ergonomics than that check in the box that workplaces need to be compliant with OSHA. There's literally a full spectrum of services and opportunities out there that you can provide. So with that note of encouragement, let's jump into this episode with Danny. Danny, thank you so much for joining me in the Ergon- Business of Ergonomics podcast. So pumped that you're here. Thanks for having me, Darcy. So Danny, before we jump into your expertise and your background doing ergonomic services for your clients and combining that with OT, can you tell me a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So I am an occupational therapist by trade, and um, 
When I graduated from OT school, I went straight into a specialty called industrial therapy. Um, worked in that for several years. When I left that company, I uh, got hired as an ergonomic specialist for a Fortune 500 company um, to sort of revamp and rebuild their in-house ergonomics program um, that hadn't really had any updates since the 20 years that it was built. So that was interesting. That's kind of where I learned how to do office ergonomics in industry. Um, I didn't really do much office ergonomics previous to that. So I was introduced to a lot of the uh, office uh, furniture and things like that, that is very, that's probably the biggest challenge with office ergonomics is keeping up with that stuff. Um, and then about four, years ago, <laughs> about four years ago, I went off on my own and I started my own company called WorkSafe Consulting. WorkSafe Consulting, and I'll link that in the show notes so you can check out Danny's website and what she offers. You have a really unique approach, and this is why I wanted to bring you on today, because there's just so much more to ergonomics than office ergonomics. You had mentioned that you got in through the industrial world. So was the industrial side of ergonomics and the industrial occupational therapy, was that something that attracted you in the first place? So what attracted me to that job was just that it sounded different. Um, the, the job listing that I responded to, they specifically pointed out the fact that we weren't going to deal with insurance at all. And that's, I'm not sure what healthcare is like in Canada or other countries, but in the United States, healthcare is just a mess, um, especially insurance-based healthcare. Uh, it's just not good. And I think a lot of healthcare providers get burned out working with insurance. And so when, as a young new grad, I got that, um, I saw that job listing. I responded to it because it just sounded really interesting and, and maybe like I could actually make a difference if I didn't have to go through insurance. The burnout dealing with insurance and getting those pro productivity rates as high as possible. That's mm -hmm. one of the common things I hear too about occupational sure. therapists and the, I guess, the regular stream. I have to ask, 20 years ago, what did an ergonomics program look like? So for that Fortune 500 company that I worked with, um, the, the overseeing body for um, safety in labor in the United States is OSHA. You know that. Um, so there was an ergonomic standard a long time ago um, that got recalled almost immediately. And so this company built their ergonomic program based off of that ergonomic, um, the, the thought that there was going to be this long-term ergonomic standard that they would have to be held accountable for. Um, so they had a lot of good knowledge and everything. It just, um, they didn't really have any processes in place. It was just sort of chaos. And so, uh, you know, it was a huge company with several thousands of people and it would take people, even though they had an ergonomics team, it, it would take the employees months, like up to six months to get an ergo assessment, which is just not acceptable. So, um, you know, it had all the basics of an ergonomics program. It's not that their knowledge was off or anything. They just didn't have any functional processes in order to actually serve their folks in a timely manner. It's that process idea that I just really like whenever we chat. You're... <laughs> It's something that can fill in the questions that us we have uh, day to day. Let our management know, but it gets 
it gets us to where we need to be in the ergonomics program. And I absolutely love that you're so process oriented. Now, we talked about the past. What about the future? Like, we talked about how 20 years ago, this is what one particular company was doing. But where do you see the future going for ergonomics? I think it will continue to grow. Um, it's preventative, which most of our healthcare in the United States is not preventative. It's very reactionary. And I've listened to several episodes of your podcast from people around the world. And I think that's kind of what most healthcare is, even outside of the United States. Um, you know, we can't continue to just react to people getting injured and getting these serious injuries that impact them for the rest of their lives. So uh, I think ergonomics is going to just continue to grow. Um, I think employers, particularly in the United States with our job market as it is right now, it's really difficult to find employees, um, are going to continue to look for ways that they can increase employee retention, keep their employees happier at work, and of course, cut down on work-related injuries. Mm -hmm. What types of services do you offer your clients? So I do uh, various trainings, so some standard ones. Um, I really prefer trainings that are actually targeted more towards that specific client. Um, so I can do specialized trainings. I do office and industrial ergonomics. Our company is primarily industry. We, we do office ergonomics for most of our clients once we're in the plant, uh, but we do a lot of industry. Um, in addition to that, we do injury prevention clinics on site. Um, so we only have licensed therapists because they have that treatment knowledge. So we're doing a lot of education in the clinic. Um, so that can involve, you know, really basic interventions and then a lot of like job training on the job training since we're physically in the plant. Um, we, we also, you know, go to management and talk to them about ways that the jobs can be improved to decrease injuries. So it's a pretty holistic program. Oh, and then we do post-offer testing for new hires. So the physical testing for new hires. I think that's about it. So you offer not only prevention, but reaction with the focus of moving more towards prevention in the services that you offer. Yes. Yep. And that is so neat. Um, I was just recently talking with another podcast guest, um, Kevin Cairns, and he also offers that side. So the functional testing, the post-offer employment test, and uh, the ergonomics to identify the risks. And that's so unique because one of the things that I only found the value of, and I want to get your opinion of this too, Danny, as we jump into this, is that when I worked for an, an organization, I was a program manager, there's this whole world of functional accommodation. So someone got injured, you got to get them back to work as quickly as possible. And what I didn't realize there was a whole open market for was the ability to take people with functional limitations and get them to any other job. So how does that look for you? And how, what's your opinion on that? Um, I think that's a huge benefit. And that's also, that is definitely something that we help employers with. Uh, here, uh, it's called reasonable accommodation. Um, 
So someone with a disability or injury, um, you would look for appropriate jobs for them. Um, it's actually, it, it, if, if the employer is open to it, it can be a really beneficial um, service for them to keep good employees who maybe can't. So an industry, say, lift that 70-pound box. Um, but um, it's really nice to have someone who can kind of help find that job that will fit, who's really familiar with the physical demands of the job and also has some background in what that person might be going through who has an injury or an illness and um, how that can be accommodated and coming up with options for accommodation where the job might be able to be changed a little, but it's not going to change the essential functions of the job. So there's a lot of different uh, examples for that, but yeah, I think it's a very beneficial service. And uh, so long as the employer is open to it, I, I definitely think it's a great way to retain good employees. And lower costs, retain employees. The coolest thing about these services is that it's something that, you know, you can take, um, you're not necessarily buying equipment or buying things to do this compared to other industries out there. Like the, I always like to compare ergonomics in my head when I'm investing in a program or investing in anything that it's not like we have a lot of overhead. We don't have to buy um clothes to bring into a store to sell it or or we're on the restaurant industry. We don't have to um, bring in food and manage that. We're providing a service from the knowledge and ex expertise that we have that is value added to the, uh, the employer. And what you're describing right here, Danny, is something that is all, it's almost like getting money, getting revenue for your businesses out of thin air. But you know what I'm saying? And you're laughing right now. But it is. We have these expertise. We, we have this knowledge. It's how do we package it in a way that allows our employer to see the value? And that's something that um, you've done. It's something that um, I only saw the value from um, an organization that was already doing this. I didn't even know it existed. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about this. Functional accommodations, making sure people are able to um, have a value-added essential service to that work, even if they're not physically capable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, it's, it can be difficult to get employers to see the value in it when they don't. But I will say, I think there's a lot of folks in companies. So we'll talk about like HR, for instance. A lot of people think that if you're in HR, you know everything about everything. And that just isn't true. <laughs> that, that couldn't be true for anyone, obviously. Um, and so I have you know, met quite a few HR people who are actually really relieved that I have this background in the human musculoskeletal system. I'm also very familiar with the ADA because I've done these sorts of accommodations before because it's just not what they specialize in. Um, I mean, there are people who specialize in HR departments, but... Um, in general, most HR folks, that's not what they specialize in, and they like to have someone with that specialized knowledge to help guide them through so they know they're doing the best for their company and the employee. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's something that is so interesting. I'm wondering, how do normal 
normally people get the experience to do these types of things? Do you learn on the job or do you take specific courses? Um, I mean, I think it's probably a combination of both. So I have a few employees who work for me and I start with doing on-the-job training with them and uh, we work together. Um, I also send them to specific trainings. Um, so for instance, if they're going to be doing um, particularly industrial ergonomic assessments, that's just so, those are very, very complicated and there's a lot that you need to be aware of um, when you're doing them. And so I like to have them go to a formal training and then and then practice with someone more experienced before they start doing them. Um, so I, it's a combination of both. And if you get into the ADA accommodation side of it, it's always a good idea to take continuing education on how the ADA actually works because the ADA in the US, I'm talking about of course, is this huge law and it impacts so many different aspects of life. It's not just employment. Um, and so if you are going to specialize in the employment aspect of it, you really should have a good understanding of it. Absolutely. Those are very wise words. And one of the other things I really got from that is that industrial ergonomics, and this is a theme I think that we've been discussing throughout this chat, industrial ergonomics is not quite the same as office ergonomics. Really, they're two entirely different beasts. And just because you may be a, an expert at, at doing office ergonomics assessments doesn't necessarily mean that um, you're going to be finding industrial assessments, an absolute breeze. So when I got my start in ergonomics, it was also through industrial ergonomics, and then I made a shift to office ergonomics assessments. And what I realized is that I thought it was so simple because you go into an office setting, they have monitors and keyboards and de uh, desks and mice and chairs. It's easy, but there is, there is a process involved with that. So what was your um, experience with the switch from starting in, in industrial ergonomics and then moving to office ergonomics? Um, I agree. A, a lot of people do think office ergonomics is very simple and compared to industry, it is. Um, but there still is a lot of knowledge that you need to have. Um, so you really will take the example of a sit-stand desk. Uh, people who don't actually understand ergonomics overall, you know, a lot of people are like, the first thing I hear from them is like, oh, you think I should have a standing desk? And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> um, that's highly individualized. Um, but they just, you know, ergonomics is kind of a glamorous word almost because it's slapped onto a lot of trendy products that oftentimes are not ergonomic at all. Um, and no matter how you use them, they could not be ergonomic. They're the opposite. Um, <laughs> and so people think it's more simple than it actually is. So you really do still have to get the person set up appropriately at their desk station. Um, I still think with office ergonomics, there's a lot of education that needs to go into it because you know, just because you buy a really nice chair doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be set up perfectly. Um, so with office ergonomics, there's the equipment component, which can be overwhelming in general. Um, but then there's also a big education component. And it is different than industry in that usually with office, you are setting it up for one particular person. And so you really need to make sure that they're happy with that setup that you have for them and that it's functional for them. 
in industry, you're usually working at a working on a workstation where many people are going to be there. Um, so you have to make it fit the most amount of people as possible. And it's not going to fit anyone perfectly usually. Um, but I, uh, you know, when I switched to office ergonomics, my biggest uh, learning curve was just all the equipment um, and just kind of finding a few things for each option that were generally good. And you almost kind of just have to come to terms with that because there's so much new equipment coming out all of the time. All the time. I that I realized that as well. It's something that, um, first of all, you want to get over these learning cur- uh, humps to figure out what equipment it's good, but then it's every month being on top of it. Um, really interesting. And there's a variety of methods and services that we can use to add value to help our clients achieve their goals. Um, And I want to get into the conversation about marketing and marketable what we do so that our clients can actually understand what ergonomics is and the value is. And are there any things that you would recommend to to our listeners today that is, is something that they can kind of put into place and move forward with when it comes to marketing our services? Oh, I don't know that I'm a good person to ask that. I I don't consider myself good at marketing. Um, So I joined your program Accelerate, which is is very helpful for that. Um, And so I very much feel like I'm learning about marketing um, every day. I will say that when I provide, um, you know, learning opportunities or just general presentations to like safety groups, for instance, um, I always ask for feedback and I truly, really do want feedback. Um, because I can, I like to say, I can only think with my brain. So if I'm saying something and it makes sense to me, that doesn't mean it makes sense to you. You know, I have a doctoral degree (laughs) that I don't mean that I don't say that to sound, um, you know, pretentious, but you know, my whole background is in the human musculoskeletal system. And so I'm always trying to think of, and I always want feedback on ways that I can say something. So it's more clear to the general public who's hearing it. Um, because if I'm saying it, it obviously makes sense to me, but it might not to other people. So I think that you had a really spectacular perspective what marketing is. How how can us as service providers get off of our jargon-filled day-to-day? Because that was my also experience too. And what how do we communicate that in a way that our ideal clients understand? And I think you really nailed that there. Um what would you recommend to new other and uh, new clients or other healthcare professionals who want to get into ergonomics and they really like the sounds of what you're doing and industrial ergonomics, office ergonomics, getting out there and offering this? Where should they start? I think just uh, getting some general education in, in ergonomics. Um, in therapy, we do have very general general education in our graduate degrees that we get, but it, at least the school that I went to was very, very general. Um, I definitely wouldn't have felt comfortable marketing myself as a, as a consultant with what I had in grad school. Um, so just some continuing education to introduce yourself to it further. 
Um, and if you go to in-person continuing eds, I haven't done any in-person, but you'll meet other people who are already actively doing it. And that might be a good place to kind of pick their brains about what their day-to-day looks like to see, you know, beyond the knowledge that you're getting, if you think it might actually be a good fit for what you want to do for work. And where can people reach out to you to find out what you're doing and to just, just see if they have any questions? Um, I have a website. Mm-hmm. It is worksafene.com. And then you can also email me. It's Danny, D-A-N-N-I, at worksafene.com. I want to shout out Danny right now. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share your experiences. I hope that adds value to your day listeners. And if there is one point, one thing that Danny mentioned that really encourages you to move forward in your business, be sure to reach out to her and let her know that that point really resonated. What's one thing, one action that you can take in your business that will move it more towards your goals. I want to encourage you to write that down and take some action. If you are looking to build and grow your ergonomic services, look no further than the Business of Ergonomics program. To get more information about this program and to save your spot on the waitlist, all you have to do is go to Ergonomics Help dot com slash learn dash ergo that's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo that's going to be in the show notes below major high five for you my friend for making it to the exact end of today's episode wish you have the best day ever and i can't wait to talk to you again in a week